Deep Dive podcast, produced by Grandview Christian Church's discipleship team. I'm Kristen Mudrak, the discipleship team leader here at Grandview. We're in our first series of this podcast where we're talking about discipleship, what it means, how we do it, and everything in between. We hope that you listen to these conversations and then start your own with your canopy, your family, or maybe even your neighbors down the street. You're welcome to submit questions for our podcast guests to answer in a later episode. Today, I'm pleased to welcome to the podcast, Jared and Sherry Shoemaker. I'm beyond pleased today to invite Jared and Sherry Shoemaker um, to the podcast, and they are going to be talking tonight about what discipleship means in their lives, as well as what it means for a family. They've got two young kids, um, who I'm sure they'll talk about here in a little bit. Um, But Jared and Sherry, can you guys introduce yourselves for me and tell me how long you've been a part of Grandview and, and things like that? Sure. You want you want to take this or do you want me to take this one? Uh, um, well, uh, you, you've already done some of the introduction. Um, I'm Jared and I'm Sherry. <laughs> we've been going to Grand. We went to Grandview, um, when we were in college at Milligan, uh, in the, uh, late nineties, early two thousands. Um, after college, we, we were still in the area. We went to a church in Irwin for a while where Sherry was the choir director. Yeah. I and, was the choir director at first Christian in Irwin for six years. And uh, then we came back to Grandview. Kind of. We looked around at some different places. After after she was no longer the choir director, they kind of phased that out. Um, we kind of decided maybe we'd look for something closer to home. We live in South Johnson City. We looked at a few different places and we were kind of like, you know, we, we just always really liked Grandview. So we just kind of ended up back there. I think that was about 2010, I think. So we've been here since. Believe it or not, that's been almost 11 years now. Um, It may not seem like it, um, but that does mean that you've raised primarily both of your kids um, at Grandview. So tell me a little bit about your family and and what kind of a typical day looks like for you guys, because it can be kind of chaotic, I'm sure. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Um, Hannah's nine and Micah is five. So right now with the pandemic going on and all, um, Hannah is doing distance learning, um, which for a girl who is very social and loves to be around people is really hard for her. And for a girl who loves school, she hates it. Yeah. <laughs> um, Micah's five and he's like, whatever, you know, but we, we've got him in preschool and he's enjoying that, I think. But yeah, they keep things lively. <laughs> I am sure they do. I'm pretty sure that's what kids were made for, uh, was to keep things lively. Well, I want to open um, our discussion tonight about discipleship with what do you see discipleship as? Um, and how do you see discipleship practiced in your life as a family? Um, okay. Well, I'm bad with terminology, just kind of overall. Um, so so I don't know, always know what people mean when they talk about certain things. Um, so for me, discipleship either talks about kind of, um, I guess more of a, of a personal kind of your, your discipleship or, or your own discipling or or attempting, attempting to follow, uh, the path of Christ to that sort of thing. Um, or as the way I kind of think it's being used here is like trying to help other people do that as in like discipling other people. And to me, I guess that's more of a lead by example and with a little bit of drawing attention to things that 
are particularly relevant. So I think you're absolutely right. I think we do use the term in both ways, um, even in what we've recorded previously in this podcast. Sherry, what do you think discipleship looks like in your guys' lives? When I was thinking about it, I was thinking about, we think about being a Christian and living the Christian life. And I think that's kind of where I was thinking about discipleship and what that is. And it's living in a way that in trying to follow Christ's example and living in that way. Um, so, I mean, personally in my life, the, the people I'm mostly living that out to be an example to are the kids. Yeah. And so some days that's easier than others. But yeah. <laughs> What do you hope your kids see from the example that you're setting for them? Well, I, I hope that they're seeing a good example of Christ. Um, but I also try to make sure that I tell them, you know, I mess up too. Yeah. You know, you're not the only one that messes up or, you know, especially when they've got that look like, oh, geez, I just did something really bad or I just did this really wrong or I'm so upset or Hannah's in tears, you know? Yeah. And it's like, okay, you know, let's just breathe a minute. You know, you're not the only one that makes mistakes. I make mistakes too. And so I try to make sure I point that out that I do make mistakes and I try to make sure that that I do take time to apologize to my kids. If I've acted in a way like, you know, if I've lost my temper, I try to make sure that I apologize and say, I lost my temper. Mommy should have had more self-control and not lost her temper and yelled or, you know, whatever that particular circumstance was. And that's not always easy because you never, nobody likes to admit they're wrong, especially when you're admitting you're wrong to a five-year-old. Yep. <laughs> but um, you got anything to add? I don't know. I mean, I think that kind of, that's kind of the same. I mean, I think we do things differently, right? Um, being different people, but I think that's kind of the, the same thing that I'm hoping to show. Um, I guess, I guess the, I, I try to, I try to be, you know, and I'm far from perfect, but I try to be mindful of how, how they hear me talk to them. Um, how, how they, how they may be perceiving what's going on because there's sometimes I think that, well, I understand why I'm frustrated and I'm getting mad and I'm, and I'm, you know, that sort of thing, because, you know, I've, I, I've said three million times, you know, not to do this or that, or to make sure this or that happens or something like that. And they haven't, but from their very limited child's perspective, sometimes I think they don't, they haven't quite caught all of the nuance to that yet. And um, so I, so I will, I will try to let that kind of temper that interaction. And the point that I'm kind of driving at, I guess, is the, the thing that I try to do um, in terms of discipleship is I want to illustrate um, the kind of uh, love and compassion and understanding that, that God has, that Christ has uh, for us when we, you know, aren't seeing the whole picture, don't understand things. And so, yeah, there's, there's like correction, right? But I always want to make sure that I'm not all like hammer, right? Yeah. I want to be there to, to give hugs and to comfort and to kind of explain and smooth things out. Yeah. So obviously the pandemic has kind of shifted family life a little bit as well as discipleship. 
Um, Sherry, I know from seeing things on Facebook that you do the Sunday school lessons with your kids that are posted um, by Grandview. What's that been like as a parent and as <laughs> somebody who wants your kids to learn and to grow in Christ? What, what has that been like? Well, um, you know, Heather and Chloe, I think we're doing a really good job at trying so hard to have things there available. And um, I think I'm sure that they felt overwhelmed trying to make that transition. Um, And I tried to make sure that I told them thank you for all they were doing. And I think especially at first, a lot of that was way over Micah's head. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Micah's five. And I mean, some of that during some of that, he was still four. And, you know, he just he's got that preschooler mentality of, oh, I'm focusing. It's gone. You know, (laughs) um, Hannah was much, much more able to try to follow along and try to answer some of the questions. So when we were trying to discuss things, um, some of those mornings were, you know, the mornings where I've got Micah and like an arm hug holding him here going, okay, let's just sit here for just a minute. I just, just a couple minutes. And just trying to get him to hear, hoping that something would stick. And, you know, some days it doesn't happen. (laughs) Yeah. But there's um, a place for grace in in parenting, for sure. I have have noticed lately, though, I think that in some ways that's getting a little easier for him. And so even in the last couple of weeks, you know, he's he's been able to answer some questions. And um, I mean, after two for two earlier this evening, um, I was talking to the kids about a couple of the questions that the youth had put up and Micah even actually, without me saying, Micah, what did you think? Or asking him a specific question, he volunteered an answer. Mm. And so, which was really good. So I was kind of excited about that. That's that's kind of a big deal. (laughs) So it is, that is a big deal. And sometimes I think, at least him hearing some of the things that Hannah says, he'll just repeat what she says, but then you can kind of see him thinking a little bit. You can at least, you know, he's hearing what his sister says and he loves his sister dearly. So he looks up to her and whatever she's doing is cool. So, you know, hopefully, you know, getting her to be able to somewhat at least provide an example for him as well. Yeah. Jared, what's your perspective been on essentially Sunday school at home? Um, uh, <laughs> pretty, pretty similar. Um, when when I've been here, sometimes I'm, I'm when we've done the in person thing. Sometimes I'm at um, at, ch- at church helping with the service while they're doing that. But Hannah, kind of, I I think uh, Heather and Chloe are trying their best to be engaging and to be like high energy because you know when you're not in person there's only so much you can do to really connect. Yeah. I mean, even there's the video, right? But there's not interaction. And so um, I think, especially with Micah, like Sherry was saying, attention span is, it's kind of, so if they're doing, when they're doing crazy things, then he'll laugh and he'll look at it. But, but when it starts to get more, you know, uh, instructional or, ex, you know, explanatory or something like that, he's kind of like, this is no longer, you know, entertaining so i'm now kind of distracted by everything else in the room i think hannah follows it a little bit more 
Um, I think it's a great thing. And I think they're doing a great job. I think they're absolutely doing the best that they possibly can. I mean, it really, I don't know how you would do, I have no suggestions, right? I don't know how you do it uh, any better than that. And I, and I think that it's, I mean, we'll keep doing it even if our success engagement rate is like 50%, you know, we just, I think having that routine, like Sherry was saying, Micah seems to be getting a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I, I think having that routine where this is just kind of the way we're doing it right now. And it's something that he can expect and, and, and look forward to in the sense that, Oh, this is what's coming now. Um, I think routine is very big, especially with kids, the younger they are. And so, so I think that that's, uh, that that's good if the expectation is that uh, the children are absorbing this 100%, um, I don't think that's happening, but I don't, I don't think it realistically, I don't think, uh, I mean, Heather's been there <laughs> for yeah. sure. So I think, I think she, she realizes how this goes. Um, yeah. But uh, no, I, I think it's great. And I'm glad that it's there. Um, it would be real easy for Grandview to just kind of, put all of their efforts into making sure the adults content is there um, and kind of overlooking that thinking, well, we can't really interact with the kids. So you know, why bother? But the fact that they're, they're trying their best to, to engage that group as well. Um, I think is really good. And I'm really glad to see it. Yeah, I agree. I think the way Grandview has handled this entire year um, has been very admirable in a lot of ways. As you've been doing these lessons with your kids and you mentioned routine and, you know, just doing the same thing over and over again so that your kids expect it. Has there been anything that you've learned about discipleship as you've been doing those things? Learned, um, probably, definitely reinforced, right? Um, And I guess from that angle, kind of just the it's always an ongoing commitment. It's never really done. And you just kind of have to keep building on it. Little steps, sometimes backward steps, sometimes, you know, but, uh, but it's really all about the relationships. Right. And yeah. so you can't really build discipleship if you don't have the relationship already. And so I, that was a little bit meandering, but <laughs> I think one of the things that, that I kind of thought about is it's kind of nice to be um, a little more actively involved to know, to know exactly what their Sunday school lesson was because you experienced it with them. And then throughout the week say, well, do you remember how on Sunday we were, we, we listened to the, the, the Sunday school story and the lesson and we were talking about this and kind of being able to reinforce that. Then also sometimes the other way of, well, do you remember how the other day this situation happened? Yeah. Do you see how this kind of relates to that? Or, you know, how, how might we have handled the situation differently had we thought about it this way? Um, with yeah. some question, discussing questions and things like that, that, that uh, Heather and Chloe have had in those. So, and I mean, and some of those, some of those questions that, that they have out there, um, they're not just kid questions. Yeah. It's, that's that's something good that's good to think about it as an adult too that we don't necessarily always take the time to stop and consider yeah I think that's one of the things that as a Sunday school teacher I appreciate the most is 
listening to kids answer these questions in a way that I maybe wouldn't have thought of um, because they think like a child. Um, and, you know, we're supposed to have that childlike faith. And that's one of the places that I see it and that I learn from. Jared, you said that discipleship is about relationship. What, what relationships have you guys formed in the church that have helped disciple you and maybe that you have helped disciple others? And where do you see those relationships kind of being reformed, I guess, after all of this COVID nonsense is over? I'm not real sure. Um, I think the closest relationships that we probably have at Grandview uh, are probably just with our Sunday school class for, for the most part, just because we, we've been in that Sunday school class for a long time. Um, we know uh, the people in it and they're always very uh, genuinely uh, interested in what's going on with you and um, want to be helpful, want to be encouraging. And our Sunday school class always has uh, interesting um, discussions and, 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 and uh, uh, agreements, disagreements, um, banter, that sort of thing. And I, I, it's, it's just been a good place to kind of see that while we, everybody sees things a little bit differently, but we're all kind of aiming at the same thing. So that's kind of what holds us together. Yeah. Um, and I think there's there's a bit of uh, of the spirit of discipleship and that kind of acceptance, I guess. Yeah. Now, which Sunday school class are you guys typically a part of? What is our Sunday school class called? It's I don't church. know. It's the church and community class. <laughs> it's the it's the the one that that's all the way back in the corner of the <laughs> upstairs. I I don't know what these things are called. That's okay. <laughs> I knew you were going to ask him that question. <laughs> I knew you were going to ask me that question. And I went, oh, she's going to ask me which Sunday school class. And I'm going to go, Bob Hall. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but he leads it. That's, yeah. But, uh, but yeah. Sherry, what relationships have you found to be most helpful in your discipleship journey? Um, I mean, specifically speaking here at Grandview, um, I mean, there's... There are folks there that I know who were my professors at Milligan. Um, there are some folks there that we went to Milligan with, um, yeah. Heather, Heather Lawson among them. And um, I am very, when they speak of introverts and extroverts, <laughs> I am on the extreme side of introvert. So trying to get out there and talk to people and meet people is very difficult for me. Um, I have also wondered on occasion if maybe I have some kind of social anxiety disorder of some sort that's undiagnosed because I just, I really struggle with that. So something like this is way out of my comfort zone. So in spite of the fact that we've been at Grandview for so long, I feel like there's so many people I don't know. Um, but I, I mean, I know I know folks from the choir because um, I've participated in that for some years. Then also with when the kids came along, we met some people that way. I'm, I'm trying to think of things that we've kind of involved the kids with, too. And I think when when Micah was born, Becky also had asked Heather, is there some way we can help? And I'm like, oh, I kind of need some help driving because I had a cesarean and I couldn't drive and I needed to get Hannah to preschool and stuff like that. So. Um, I really got to know Becky that way because she had volunteered 
to to help and to serve us that way. And it was wonderful um, because that way I was able to get to know her one-on-one. It was a little bit more low-key. And um, I handle that much better than in a group situation. So getting to know Becky was truly a blessing. And then, of course, you know, with Two for Two and such, and Hannah has been at a family table with Becky's sister, Cindy, and Scott. And so we've kind of gotten to know them that way. And she did knitting with Miss Alice. And so we've kind of gotten to know them. Then kind of on another side, you know, Micah, for some reason, just he took a liking to Dennis Helsebeck. And so they're kind of buddies. And so it's really fun to, I kind of miss seeing him. It's because he he's kind of that whole year without seeing these people. And he's like forgetting who people are. And so we've kind of like sent some little notes and things. And so, and, you know, occasionally the kids have gotten notes back, which has been fun for them too. You know, a card from Miss Alice or from, from Mr. Denny or, you know, a couple of phone calls here and there. We, we did a FaceTime with Miss Becky one day. And so the kids thought that was fun, <laughs> a little chaotic, but fun. So things like that. And it's, it's really touching to see those interactions, which was kind of what two for two is supposed to be about is, is those intergenerational. And you see the, the little, you know, you know, five-year-olds hanging out with our, our seniors. And it's wonderful to see that. I think intergenerational ministry is one of the things Grandview does exceptionally well. Um, And as someone who doesn't have kids, we have kind of felt a little out of place at two for two. Um, And I can't speak for Cody, but for myself, I've felt very out of place that I don't, I don't have kids to go sit with. I don't have, you know, a, a family table to sit at. And so I just kind of end up congregating with whoever comes over to me, which usually is the five-year-olds. Um, <laughs> I can well, relate when, to that. <laughs> before we, before we had kids, we heard about the thing, but it didn't, I, I don't know if it, if we just weren't paying attention or if it was the way that it was presented, it just never seemed like, Oh, well that's, you know, that, that's for people that have kids. And then I get that it's supposed to be like the mix, but I, I, I guess we just never had somebody say, Hey, you should come to this. Like you specifically, um, yeah, and I would agree with that because I mean I would have thought, oh well, it's they've got this stuff for the kids, you know, okay. But it's like looking back, it was like we kind of missed out on that time when Hannah was, you know, a preschooler because Hannah's she never participated in the preschool mosh pit or anything like that because we just we thought it was mostly for school age, so mm. we didn't go. And then once she, once she was that old, we realized, oh, there's this too. And oh my word, aren't the preschoolers cute? And you see that and you see the big kids ooing and aahing over the little kids. And, and so I would, I mean, I would say to somebody, you know, if they were kind of in your situation of go anyway, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's lots of people out there who are like me that don't necessarily have somebody to sit with. So, you know, pull up a chair. Yeah. I think from when we did start going to two for two, we, we helped out with the music and that's kind of what got us there. And from a discipleship aspect, I really appreciated getting to see kids engaged with a story that I've been telling my entire life. Um, These Bible stories that they are engaging with for the first, maybe second, third time getting to see those through the eyes of them uh, was, was just really cool. 
Um, and I think that's what I really appreciate about how you guys talk about discipleship, that it's not just about you. It's about your family. It's about your kids. It's about setting an example for the next generation um, and the generations after that. Sherry, you mentioned that you're not really comfortable in groups. I, I get that. And I'm sure there's a lot of people listening who are in the same boat. What's, what's something you would tell those people to, to try? Uh, good question. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I have to, you know, looking back at myself, and I'm sure if you were to talk to people who knew me in college, they would say, yeah, she's come a long way. I, I've come a long way. I, I don't take myself quite so seriously as I used to. Um, so that helps. Yeah. And just, I mean, going out there and being there and eventually, you know, you start to make some, some connections, you know, gradually here and there. And sometimes it's just a slower process. Yeah. And for me, that is a slower process, but you know, before the pandemic, we, you know, go, go into, go into the church for two for two and sit down and just, and, and I guess it was, would have been a year ago, fall, I guess, uh, fall of 2019, I guess, before the pandemic started, uh, we were joking about having the introvert table because we were all sitting there being introverts together. <laughs> and, um, but the fun thing about that was that even though we were sitting there being introverts together, we got to start to make some connections that way. And um, you start making friends that way. And then lo and behold, you're not there by yourself anymore. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so it is kind of a get yourself out there and allow that to develop. Yeah. Be present because if you're not there, you're not going to begin to make the connections. Yeah. Jared, what about you? I, from what I know, you're a little bit less of an introvert. Only when compared to me. <laughs> <laughs> where do you feel most comfortable and where do you feel like you may need to step out a little bit more in terms of relationships and discipleship? Uh, you mean like within the context of Grandview or, or just in general or what? Yeah. I'm a bit, I'm a bit more outgoing when compared to Sherry as she, as she said, no, I'm, I, I'm fairly, I'm fairly extroverted, I think, but um, I will say I don't, tend to just wander up to people that I have no connection with and just be like, hi, talk to me, you know? Um, but, uh, but what you're saying is you don't want to be part of the greeting team. Uh, that would be outside my comfort zone. I think, um, if somebody wants to rope me into doing that, um, that, that's another, what you say. <laughs> that's another, that's another conversation. Um, I like, so, so uh, maybe this, maybe this, uh, relates. I really like, um, getting to be part of the worship team. Um, first of all, just because I, I like playing, but um, it, I can kind of be involved with interacting with people, but maybe not in quite so um, direct of a way. I, I don't know if that, if that makes any sense. I, I like to be helpful. Um, so if somebody needs something, I'm more than willing to, to volunteer to, to be like, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll help you with that or, or that sort of thing. I think where I feel the most awkward is when I don't have any, a need gives, gives me a reason to be there. Right. Um, if I don't have 
any reason to be there, then I tend to feel very uncomfortable. Uh, like, um, I would like to interact with you in some way and, and form some sort of connection, you know, broaden uh, my sort of, uh, you know, the, the number of people I know, um, the number of people that, that I can help or that I can be helped by. But I, I got to have that foothold, I guess. And I'm not... Yeah. I'm, I'm probably not very good at finding that or actively seeking it out. Um, I can say absolutely anybody could come up and talk to me and I'm more than happy to talk to you. But, yeah. but uh, one of the things we've talked about in our other podcast is how service relates to discipleship. And one of the things that I believe it was Aaron said is that when you serve together, you are learning together and you are, becoming more Christ-like in what you are doing, as well as with whom you are doing. I think what you said, Jared, is that when you find a need and when you find a place to serve, that's where you start forming connections. And that's where you start forming relationships. There's a lot of people who are in the same boat as you who need something to do with their hands, for example. Um, And whether it's you know, going to Miss Alice's knitting class and literally doing something with your hands or whether it's serving on the worship team or whether it's teaching children's church or whether it's being a part of the greeting team. All of those things do form our lives closer to Christ. You guys have talked a lot about example tonight. The goal of discipleship is to follow the example of Christ. And be an example to others. And one of the things Christ did was serve. I think that is an awesome way to cultivate discipleship in our lives. Even if it may seem kind of, I don't want to say silly, but not enough um, for, for what maybe we expect ourselves to be able to do. What places do you guys find for service in the church and how do you how do you seek out those opportunities? Not so good at the seeking out, perhaps. I think everything that I've been involved with is somebody has come to me and mm. been like, hey, you can do this thing. Actually, the, the worship team might be the exception to that because I always like playing music and I'm pretty sure I've floated that idea to several different people. I'm like, hey, if you ever need somebody to 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 do stuff, I'm always more than willing. Um, but I, uh, two for two, um, I think Heather asked me to, to take pictures. And so I've been kind of the, the house photographer for most of that when we're in person anyway. And, uh, I don't know how I got, um, roped into running sound for the blue service. I think, I think Buddy just needed people and was like, and, and it's through some conversation that I probably had with him or, or Daniel who's like, you kind of know how this stuff works, but I'm always, I'm always like, yeah, especially if it's something that, that I feel like I have talent, it's maybe not quite the right word, but like, it's something that I know how to do. And like, not, not everybody knows how to do it. And I'm like, you know, Hey, here's something that, that, uh, that would be fun. And that would, uh, I could feel like I'm contributing in a meaningful way. Um, but I, I haven't really gone out and saying, you know, like what, what, what can I do? Um, or, or, uh, tried to be like, I want to do this or I, I want to serve in this way or anything like that. Um, 
maybe I should. I don't, I don't really know. I guess that's just not what comes naturally to me. Um, But if somebody says, Hey, I need somebody that can do X and I'm like, Oh, I can do X. Then I will probably go up to them and say, I can do X. If you want, you know, give me a call. Um, I'm kind of with Jared. I, I feel like I'm kind of bad at looking for those opportunities. Um, the, the insecurity of, well, I'm, I'm not good at that. You know, you know, you, you think about, oh, there's a meal train going on, man. I, who would want to eat my cooking? You know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my family doesn't starve, but I'm, it, that's not one of those things that I enjoy doing. Yeah. And, um, I don't find myself particularly good at it. So, you know, I think, why would they want to eat my cooking? You know, oh. I'll, I'll leave that to somebody who's better at that. But, <laughs> um, but I think for me, I, I, I can't remember a time in my life when music has not been part of the way I minister. I mean, as I said earlier, I was a choir director for six years. Um, I, I led worship um, there as well. And so, I mean, I, I tried to be part of that at Grandview. And whether that's being part of the choir, whether that's, you know, during the summers doing some special music, um, either myself or with a smaller group and just serving in that way. Yeah. And when, when it's a musician that's also feels like it's, it's part of who you are and that gift that God is giving you and allowing you to be able to then turn around and use that to uh, minister to others or to encourage others mm. or just to bring a smile to their face is very meaningful Yeah, to me. Absolutely. Now, I know both of you are a little bit more on the introverted side. Have you ever been part of a small group or a canopy or kind of a smaller group of people, probably smaller than Sunday school, um, that you formed really good connections with? I, we have uh, a group of, of local friends um, that we, in, in pre-pandemic times, um, we get together with um, frequently. And more, more as a social, uh, just kind of hang out, play games, have fun thing than, than any kind of faith-based thing we 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 do or we did kind of have a canopy uh thing near the beginning um it never really got off the ground real well and we're just as much to blame for that as anybody else um you know bad bad at initiating on our part um but we we still have met with our sunday school class on zoom I, I don't remember when we started those, but it was still fairly early on oh, yeah. that our Sunday school class started doing Zoom Zoom calls, which not all of our Sunday school class has participated in. But there's but there's been a group of us of I would say I would say most the the banter is there just as much as it is in person. Yeah, um, and so I'm I'm curious because I've had similar experiences in other congregations. What do you do when your canopy can't get off the ground. Um, do you just kind of let it fade away or 
do you keep trying or do you wait for a better opportunity or what do you do? I think, I mean, in all honesty, I think just with everything else that's gone on and with having the uh, connection with Sunday school and I, we, we went to the eight o'clock service uh, last week and, and I've been, when they've been doing it in person, I've been there about every other week. And so from my perspective, and I don't know about Sherry, she can, she can talk to herself, but from my perspective, I have still have enough um, or I still have at least a, what I feel like is still pretty solid connection to the community at Grandview. That's not to say that I don't think a canopy would be great or that, that I think that it, it wasn't worth doing or anything like that. We did, we did meet one time. We had a great uh, chat between the, the small group of us. Our kids ran around and played on a playground um, and were just generally being adorable. Um, but I don't know. I, I think that it was just kind of like, that was nice. Uh, we could do it again. Um, and we talked like maybe we would. We never nailed down any kind of t- day or time. And because of the way schedules are, there wasn't really a feasible way to say, we're going to do this every X interval, right? Um, one thing that we learned, I mean, with, with our even with our friend group, where this is just get together, play games, hang out. Um, if we didn't set aside a time and say, we're going to do this on this day forever, right? Or, I mean, just like, like, we're going to, we're going to do this on Monday nights, you know, generally speaking. And if, you know, if we can't do it one particular Monday night, no big deal. But in general, that's the expectation. Then it happens. If we just say, oh, we'll get around to it, then it doesn't. And that's just, I think that's just kind of adult life. Um, (laughs) When, when we were, when we were in college or when we were younger, you could be like, oh, we'll just get together sometime. And you would, because you just didn't have all of the, the commitments. But with the one thing that I mean, I think everybody learns when you're trying to navigate schedules is if you don't have a very clear schedule or, or, or map something out, like in what can seem like a really obsessive way, it just doesn't happen or it just doesn't happen often or yeah, with I- any with any degree of success, I guess. I think maybe kind of what you're getting at is is uh, maybe to think of it this way is you have to make it a priority. And I think not, not that our canopy wasn't, but I think that maybe each had some other, like that wasn't their only thing that they were trying to do in that regard. And so maybe some other things were working out better for each family. And so, you know, when, when you commit to doing something, if you go ahead and schedule it and have it on the calendar, even if it's just penciled in as opposed to inked in, then you're more apt to see that it happens. And I think kind of, at least on our end, I think it was like, yeah, we should do that again sometime. And then it never really got scheduled. So it just didn't happen. And then the longer it didn't happen, the more it kind of just fell by the wayside. Yeah. So, um, not that that was, I, I don't think that was a good thing. I wouldn't recommend it, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'd say schedule it, you know, even yeah, if yeah. it's not a regular thing of, okay, well we did it this time. Let's go ahead and schedule the next time, you know, three weeks from now, what, you know, what's that week looking like and, and schedule something and just pencil it in on that calendar and, and see what happens then. 
Yeah, I I completely agree with you that especially in our current pandemic situation, we have to schedule things, but even not, I mean, you have kids who play soccer and kids who have music lessons and school and you have a job and your husband has a job and now there's a dog involved and, you know, there's all sorts of things that take up our time. And if meeting together is not a priority and you don't schedule it, it just doesn't happen. Uh, I mean, we're recording this podcast at 9.30 at night because that's what worked. (laughs) But had I not said what works, let's find a time and get it on the calendar, this conversation wouldn't be happening, right? It's it's the same. 100% correct. If we'd left it as sometime, yeah, that that probably would have happened (laughs) as opposed to let's discuss days and times. Yeah. Yeah, that, that totally would have happened. In situations where I've been a part of canopies or small groups that just kind of fell apart, you have to remember that you can't place blame on any one person. Um, And I I think you guys alluded to this a little bit, that you can keep trying. You can keep trying to put something on the calendar and keep trying to get people together. But if nobody else is biting, nothing's ever going to happen. And there's a point at which you may have to choose to walk away. But there's also a point where you should keep pushing and keep trying to get together and keep trying to put something on the calendar. And as hard as that can sometimes be, if those are the relationships you know you need to cultivate for your own discipleship, that's what you need to do. And I appreciate that you guys mentioned your um, community group, essentially, that you play games with and get together with. Because fellowship is a huge aspect aspect of discipleship. Whether it is a church group or not, you are cultivating relationships with these people and they are seeing the example that you are setting in your life. That's part of discipleship too. And it's not necessarily going to be easy, um, whether you are with a group in the community or whether you're with a canopy at church or whether you are in Sunday school, um, you guys mentioned that sometimes there are tensions in even in Sunday school. Discipleship isn't easy. And as Jared, as you said earlier, it is a journey. It's not something that ever ends. So I think my last question for you tonight is, what would you tell somebody to do who's thinking, who's kind of on the fence about wanting to get involved in discipleship at Grandview? What would you tell them to do? Make yourself available. Let people know you're interested in doing something, even if you're not really sure what you might be interested in doing or, you know, just, you know, and getting to know the people who are at Grandview also gives you those connections and they get to know you and they get to see what your strengths are and where you might be able to fit in. So, you know, get to know people, even if it's not your strong suit you know, just get out there and meet some people and let them know who you are and get to know them. And then you can see each other's strengths and help each other know where there are needs that your skills might fit. Oh, do I have to say something? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's see. I guess, I mean, you're asking me to talk about something that I'm not good at and I don't know much about um 
the I guess the only thing that I could add or, or that is immediately coming to mind is in in addition to kind of to making yourself available and and meeting the people and talking to people and kind of for, starting to form those relationships where you might be able to sort of plug in is um and I guess this is this is maybe arguably the same thing or at least goes hand in hand um it's sort of I guess keep keep your eyes open um look for look for gaps or look for needs or, or just kind of, you know, with, with, cause you know, kind of what you can do. Um, and if it's something you enjoy doing, um, I'm not saying you should never do things that you don't really enjoy because that has its place too. But, uh, but if it, but if it is, if you can, if you can find a, a something that you can, if there's something that you enjoy doing that you think would, benefit the community you there's a good chance you'll be able to find a way to apply that um i i would i would say make sure that you're considering your motives on that one um but if you really think no i i i can do this thing or i have this or i have this talent or i have this this expertise or this you know that sort of thing and and everybody has a different things that that they're good at or or that they know how to do. Sooner or later, you will notice something, or somebody will mention something in passing, or you know whatever. You're like, oh, well, that's something that um, that that I could do, and you'll have that thought. And I would say, I mean, I guess I would just encourage you to uh, like voice that right and be like, oh, well, you know, you mentioned this, or I've noticed that, or whatever can I help with that? Is there something I can do? Um, I, ha- I have this, you know, technical knowledge or I, I have this particular talent or, or that sort of thing. Can I help? And, and I, I, I think the, I think the attitude of, can I help is kind of where, kind of where it starts. Yeah. I so much appreciate both of you being honest and telling us that this isn't something you are very comfortable with or something you are very good at because I think it reminds all of us listening that this is a journey and it's something we have to continually work towards. It's not something we have all figured out. There are so, so many opportunities for you to get involved with discipleship. There are canopies, there are service um, places in the church. There are kids that you can come and love on um, every Sunday morning once this pandemic um, gives us a break. There are so many things that we can do. And what I love about what you guys have said tonight is that it starts where you are and it starts as a family. And for those of you with kids, it starts with your kids. And I so appreciate the example you guys set for your kids and for all of those that you come into contact with at Grandview. Um, And I, I just greatly appreciate the way that you model discipleship, even if you don't think it's, it's perfect. Um, the, the way that you do it is, is really great. So thank you for the ways that you serve. Um, thank you for the ways that you model this to your kids. Um, and, and please keep, keep doing that. Um, and I will definitely keep my ears and eyes open for places where you guys can serve. Um, and I'm, I'm really grateful that you, stepped out of your comfort zone tonight to talk to me on this podcast. Thank you guys so, so much. 
Sure thing. That takes us to the end of our third episode of Deep Dive. We hope you'll join us next week for our conclusion of this series on discipleship.